Hey, it's Ron McLean. Welcome to Hockey Talk on the Rock. With Laura and Keith. It's interesting. So let's back up a second. He played absolutely out of his mind. It now. made no sense to me. And now, here are your hosts. All right, here we go. We are back doing Hockey Talk on the Rock, episode number 83. Can you believe it? Uh, we've had a little bit of a hiatus for the last two weeks. Stuff has happened. Uh, but as always, we like to start by talking Canucks news, and there's been mainly just some staff news. So, uh, <laughs> anyway. uh so I actually kind of want to start with the Besser stuff, if that's okay. <laughs> sure. Yeah, that's big news too. Because um, I feel like that was kind of the biggest news for the Canucks because of all the speculation and talk over the last, you know, since the trade deadline, but really for the last couple of years, it seems like in these cycles we get Besser trade talk and then um last year was not a great year for Brock both on and off the ice and he's kind of acknowledged that um and it sounded like they weren't close so like all the talk up to kind of um last Friday I guess was that they were still pretty far off on a deal and it sounded like the Canucks might file for arbitration <laughs> and then Bester could have just taken his qualifying offer for the 7.5 for one year, which also wouldn't have been ideal from a Canucks fan perspective. So I was pretty like excited to see that he signed this, uh, the three-year deal at 6.85, which admittedly is probably a little bit steep for him right now. Um, and I think the Canucks know that, but the three-year term is pretty safe. Um, and then it basically makes him a UFA at 28. So if he wants to leave at 28, then that's a pretty good time to cash in as a hockey player. But I was pretty excited about it. It seems like he's going to be around at least for the next couple of years, and then we'll see what happens. Um, but I think there's a lot of people thinking along the same lines with me and the fact that he'll probably have somewhat of a bounce back here this year because he's going to be able to focus more on hockey. But he also has to prove that contract now. So, yeah, and I mean, cool. anything anything less than seven point five for his qualifying offer is kind of a win. Yeah, and yeah, he could have taken it, right? Like he could have been like, "No, I'm taking the seven point five. So, I mean, he gets some security there with the three years at six point eight. But um, I think it's a good start for the Canucks, and then leading into the draft this week, um, we will kind of see which way they lean and what happens. So yeah, still lots of Canucks speculation out there, but the Brock Besser thing for now is kind of put to bed. So I'm happy about that. And hopefully he lives up to his contract. And so um, being that it's Tuesday, July 5th, the draft starts on Thursday. Friday. Is it Friday this year? I thought it was Friday. <laughs> I feel like that. Yeah, I feel like I thought that too. But um, for some reason, I feel like it's starting on Thursday this year. Looking it up now. Googling on the air like the pros do. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was a big signing for the Canucks recently. And then while you're looking that up, um, yeah, you know there was some news like uh, Mike Yo did officially come in as an assistant coach. We kind of saw that come in. I think we talked about, did we talk about how Bradshaw left? Uh, no, we haven't talked about how Bradshaw left, but there was kind of some speculation about that before too. Um, yeah, there was rumors he was in the running for other jobs. And then after he did leave, I read a little bit about how him and Boudreaux didn't really get on that well. Yeah. 
Um, and then so it was more or less like whatever I was reading was saying, it's not too surprising that he went and reunited with Tortorella because they worked together in Columbus yep. in Philly. And that makes me feel good because like Philadelphia needs a butt ton of freaking <laughs> defensive work. So hopefully he can do some good stuff there. Yeah. And then Trent Cole got promoted from head coach of the AHL team to an assistant coach. Yes. It brought in Jeremy Colleton, formerly head coach of the Chicago Blackhawks, to take on the farm team, which I actually like that as a move. I think that's smart. Yeah, I, I liked it too. Um, um, I'm indifferent about the Mike Yo move. Yeah. And I then, think, again, uh, as an assistant, he's probably a lot better than as a head coach. So I'll leave it as that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. He was an assistant in Philly, and I mean, the the team of him and Michelle Terrian and Elaine <laughs> were really disappointing. So, <laughs> but um, the uh, the final one was uh, Curtis Sanford leaving yeah. the uh, basically the AHL goalie coach position to go do the big squad in Toronto. Um, so now they have yet another position to fill, but that's all right. Yeah, I'm sure they'll find someone for that job. Um, I mean, good for Curtis Sanford to get a shot in the NHL, but I don't think it's going to hurt the Canucks too, too badly. Um, it is Thursday, so I'm really glad we had this conversation because I would have been so mad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would have figured it out when I started getting notifications, but... <laughs> yeah, so the first round is Friday, starting at like 4 or 4.30 or whatever. Thursday starting at uh, yeah, five here's the story and then round two spills over starting friday morning okay so we're uh, getting real close to the nitty-gritty time then yeah and i, I like i want to fast forward you know because i feel like the canucks are going to make the trade that we've been talking about for like two months and i like part <laughs> of thinking about it and reading about it and yeah talking about it you know yeah. and i'm just you know, i want to know what happened what it is what what is it going to be the move yeah if and there is if it, unless it's just like a re-signing of JT Miller or something I don't I just want it to be something I mean I, I'll take it either way I think right now because it will put as you say to bed the discussion that has dominated uh Canucks fans for the last almost like six months yeah it's divided people it's you know <laughs> like but it will be nice to see whatever happens there um but yeah um I'm really excited about the draft this year. I think that even without the Canucks component, I think there's going to be some big moves. And it yeah. feels like there hasn't been those at the drafts for the last couple of years, probably because they've been virtual. So I'm I'm pretty excited this year about everyone getting together and hopefully some some big moves coming down. Yeah. Um the last I kind of bit of feel that way every year, but I feel I'm with <laughs> oh sorry, yeah. I, no, I said go ahead <laughs> no I, I was just gonna kind of change it up and say like the next kind of bit of Canucks news that we have to, yeah, talk, to talk about is like hall of fame stuff okay but, um yeah so I mean I was pretty stoked <laughs> when the hall of fame class was announced this year because there's three three Canucks that are going to be on it they're all first ballot hall of famers we got both Daniel and Henrik Sedin and then we've got uh Bobby Lou. And I'm pretty stoked for all those guys. Uh, three kind of core members of that 2011 squad all going to enter together. Uh, I don't think you can really argue about any of them getting in. I know every year now it seems to be the talk about Alex McGillney still not being inducted, which I agree at this point. 
feels kind of late. <laughs> but those three specifically, I think, deserve their their first ballot, their first ballot Hall of Famers, right? Yeah. And who is the fourth player? Daniel Alfredson. So that's the one that people kind of are flip-flopping on, but he right. did also have quite a career. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like I don't know about you, but every year I kind of don't have that much interest in the whole like Hall of Fame weekend. For some reason, like that part of hockey doesn't grab me. So I'm kind of excited this year about actually getting excited about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like finding out who goes in, but in, in terms of like paying attention to the ceremony, I've never, never have. Um, and it's going to be like a whole weekend, basically, of Canucks stuff, right? Which is going to be pretty cool. I mean, obviously not totally, but there's going to be a big Canuck component to it. So Yeah, yeah, that'll be cool. And I mean, good for Bobby Lou, because he, he's what? He's the leading franchise winning goaltender for two different franchises which like i think only patrick law yeah is the same i think don't quote me so. i i believe you're right but i'm not 100 percent on that one i'd actually be mark andre Fleury now too with vegas yeah. vegas and, and pittsburgh yeah is he he must be in pittsburgh yeah okay yeah i think so because before it was like ken reggett or tom barrasso somebody who only lasts like a short period of time anyways <laughs> um Moving on to the Stanley Cup results. Um, as we know, it came and went. I think we talked last during game one or after game one or something like that. And uh, Colorado got their cup. Uh, yeah. Good for them. They were the better team. There was, you know, some controversy in the series with the too many men thing, but whatever. Um, ultimately, I think Colorado just was the more dominant team and was, was, was bound to get their cup. And good for Tampa for making it there three years in a row. Um, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, when I was, I actually didn't watch game six. I'll come clean. Um, <laughs> because, yeah, I went to see a show basically instead. And I was conflicted on if I wanted to stay and watch it or not. But when I saw the results for like the first two seconds, I was kind of disappointed mainly because I knew you tied me. <laughs> <laughs> but then I came home and I watched all the celebrations of Colorado winning their cup and I was really happy for them there's a lot of players on that team that I that I have liked for a while and it was nice to see them win it's nice to see you know Nate Mack finally get his cup and I, I really like Gabriel Landeskog as a player so that was nice I I liked seeing Nazem Kadri win one um I thought it was good for him and I don't know like again as you said they were clearly the better team um I I found like the final at times disappointing then at times really good it's too bad like I feel like again I don't think it would have changed I think Colorado is still the better team but it would have been nice to see Tampa like slightly healthier um like mainly I think when when Sorelli went down like it was just over for that team right they were they were too hurt but I do also find it funny there's a lot of people like kind of dancing on Tampa's grave and it's like, you know, they're the only team in the cup era to make three consecutive Stanley cup finals. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, good for Colorado. It's been fun watching them party with the cup. <laughs> and, and yeah, as you alluded to, I made the miraculous come back and tied you in the bracket uh, <laughs> waiting to the final round to finally get a game's prediction. Correct. And, <laughs> getting the bonus point from Kale McCarr, getting the yeah. uh, Smythe. So I'll take it. I don't have to yeah, buy it. Uh, 
I don't, I don't have to buy you a, a ticket into the movie theater because of the big comeback. So I think that puts us at one, one, and one in our brackets now. Yeah. Which is fine. I'm fine with that. It's all good. Yeah. Behind. <laughs> As I said, I was mad for like two seconds and then I was happy. So. <laughs> um so yeah good for colorado and they'll have a super interesting off season ahead because they have a ton of contracts that were up and it's not like they don't have money but they also have one year left of mckinnon on his sweetheart deal so they can't just like blow it on re-signing kadri and the and all these players yeah and it sounds like people are talking like kemper and them are leaning towards a deal and then i've also heard nachushkin but I, it's going to be interesting to see those numbers if they do, because, yeah, as you say, they're going to have to be careful with their money right now, um, particularly with, with Nate Mac. Yeah. So, yeah, moving on from them to the bridesmaid, um, Tampa Bay, you know, full props and credits to them. But right away, you know, the joke was it was 10 minutes after they lost the cup that Julian Breeswell was back to doing business. Yeah. And he signed Nick Paul to a seven year deal of like 3.1 or something mil per, which a good deal, but like a long-term contract, but yeah, it makes sense. Right. I think that's like the ideal, like works for both really well, you know, cause like three mil against the cap for, for him is pretty good. It seems like, but seven years is probably a little too much, but at that price, whatever. Um, and he's probably happy to have that non-taxable security for seven years. And I mean, I don't know how much like Julian Breeswell cares about in seven years time. Like he knows he has a competitive team that's in a Stanley Cup window. So let's just keep it kind of going if we can kind of thing. Yeah, for but sure. They're also got interesting moves, which have started, which I'm sure you're getting to. <laughs> totally. Yeah, like they, they dumped off uh, Ryan McDonough when he has four years left at what is it? 6.25 or 6.5 mil. I think it was 6.5. Yeah. So it's like a hefty contract and he's 34 now, I believe. Yeah. So they, they made that move at the right time. Like they kind of had to, but like they didn't have to pay to get rid of him before his play started to decline, which was the biggest thing, I think. Yeah. And the other thing too, about it, that'll say like from Ryan McDonough's perspective, he didn't have to leave. Like they asked him to wave and he did, which is like quite nice for the player because you know the player could have just said no I'm happy here blah 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 but he was okay to leave which I think is is nice um and as you say they didn't get really much back for him but it's the cap space that matters to them more than anything yeah and I mean Philippe Myers I feel like for them will be like a serviceable defenseman he's obviously not McDonough but, yeah, but I mean, McDonough, like, there wasn't the left side of their defense was Hedman, McDonough, and Sergachev. So, yeah, it kind of just allows Sergachev to move up into the top four. Yeah. And Fleet Myers can be okay as a whatever, five, six, seven. Yeah. I think he'll be for them better than what he was for Nashville, essentially. But yeah, because I think he was better for Philly than he was for Nashville. Yeah. And then uh, their other player was like a throw in kind of. Yeah, I, I read a little bit. He was like a second rounder from a couple drafts ago or something. Yeah. So taking a flyer on him, maybe they throw him down in uh, wherever their team is and, and all Here. of a sudden he becomes the next like Carter Verhage. Or, exactly, yeah. You know. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, also good on Nashville because I feel like that defense core for next year is going to be going to be good. But I, I'm not, again, 
it feels like that move's a little bit puzzling for them in the long term, but who cares? I know, and it, ma- it made me feel like, okay, they did this move, so they're all in on now and who they have. So I felt like the Forsberg extension was going to come like right after, and we still haven't seen it. Yeah. So that's kind of puzzling. So we'll see where that all goes with Nashville. Um, and then from there, we can move on to the next trade, which was a pretty significant one. Like I've become a fan of Fiala. Yeah last year or two um especially this past year he had such chemistry with that kid what's his name boldy yeah um and he had such a crazy year and we just knew like we knew they weren't going to be able to keep him because of the dead cap yeah. um, so him getting traded to la for the prospect brock faber and a first rounder pretty much cr- crushes my uh, prediction of evander kane going to la i think i don't I can't see them going down that road now that they acquired no. Fiala and then signed him right away for like whatever it was, seven or eight years at like 7.9. Seven yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 7.9. Yeah. So he got paid and good for him. And, uh, you know, he'll probably be pretty much what LA needed, you know? Yeah, I think so. And, and LA is getting to the point where they kind of scare me. Um, and, you know, this thing about LA is they still have a bunch of of kind of prospect forwards (laughs) that either they can move for other pieces or they can infiltrate into their lineup. Um, I think Fiala is a very good player and I agree. I think he is the prime target that LA could have gone after. Um, But I actually think Minnesota did pretty well at first when I read the trade, I thought that Minnesota got a second rounder and then Brock favor. And I was like, Oh, that's not very much, but I guess everyone knew that they kind of had to trade him. But when I saw that it was the first and Brock favor, I was like, that's actually pretty good. And it seems like as a pro, as far as like a second round prospect goes, Brock favor has a pretty high upside and he is a right hand D um so as you said maybe that's a precursor to moving Matt Dumba down the road um probably not right away so again I think in terms of like winners and losers I almost feel like it was a fair trade and then fair trade yeah the win to LA just because Fiala is younger than I thought you know he's still like 24 yeah and so locking him in until he's like 30 it's like well Based on if based on the year he just had, like if he continues that way, that's gonna look pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll be one to watch down the road for sure. And then we'll see who uh, Minnesota picks up with that pick too this year, obviously. <laughs> yeah. And that was probably like a what 20th overall or something like that. 19th, yeah. Yeah. So and then yeah. uh, then we can continue on with like uh, some more of our coaching carousel fallout as i was commenting before we started the episode we've we've done pretty good with our predictions um barry trotts opting to not coach kind of threw a wrench into things so winnipeg kind of sounds like they scrambled and they brought in rick bonus Um, yeah so i was listening to some talk about that today and um it sounds like it kind of surprised everyone because when they heard they were inter- interviewing Rick Bonus, they assumed it was like as an assistant. Um, but part of the talk was that, you know, Rick Bonus, he's been around for a long time. He did a good job in Dallas after being thrust into a weird situa- a situation with like Jim Montgomery, Jim Montgomery leaving. Um, and he did a good job. Um, 
And so the kind of thought is that he's like adaptable, but also if Barry Trotz next year decides that he wants to coach in Winnipeg, he's the kind of guy that probably would be okay just sliding down and being an assistant for them. Right. So it kind of gives them some options and it's almost like a stopgap. So, so would they give him two years? They gave him two years. Yeah. So I think that makes sense. I mean, I really like Rick, Rick Bonus. I've loved him since he was on the Canucks 2011 team. So I thought it was kind of cool. He got another shot, but I was pretty shocked when that was who was announced. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the coaches, like the carousels filling up pretty quickly. Like, yeah. I mean, the other one that just happened too is Bob, Bob Bugner and uh, San Jose got let go, which was kind of late. It was interesting because when he got let go, literally all the free spots that were open were now taken. Yeah. So, as you said, everyone's kind of gotten taken up. Um, but yeah, so it it, interesting to watch uh, Winnipeg. And I think that bonus will be good for their defensemen, which was kind of part of the problem in Winnipeg this year. He's a pretty good defensive coach. So, we'll see what he's got there. <sighs> And before we hop back over to San Jose, we'll just quickly go over. We both predicted after Tampa finished the playoffs that their assistant coach, uh, Derek Levon, would go to Detroit because he has that connection with Stevie Y. And sure enough, it was like 10 seconds after <laughs> they had him holding up a Detroit jersey. Um, so we can tick that box. We got that one right. But I think everyone knew that was coming. Yeah. And then uh, Boston made their hire. Yeah. And we both, I think we both talked about how Jim Montgomery was going to get another shot after being an assistant coach at St. Louis somewhere. Yep. I, I know we didn't predict him in Boston, but uh, Boston hired him as the coach. And, uh, you know, he did a pretty good job in Dallas. We'll see what he can do in Boston. Yeah. And the other interesting thing about Boston um, is that they also extended um, Don Sweeney. Oh, did they? They did, which I thought was pretty weird. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's a pretty divisive <laughs> GM. <laughs> and so, you know, firing Bruce Cassidy was a, a big move because I think a lot of Burns fans probably would have wanted Don Sweeney fired and them to keep Bruce Cassidy, but they extend Don Sweeney and then he hires Jim Montgomery. Um, I have very little kind of feel on him as a coach because, again, the last time he was a head coach was the whole Dallas situation but he has put in the work since then and we'll see what he's got um and it again i think we talked about last time but it sounds like bergeron's gonna come back for one more year yeah they haven't made it official but it seems like one of those things and i happen. feel like montgomery's probably a coach that wants like a competitive team so there's a couple things there that are interesting i feel like there's parallels between boston and and winnipeg because shovel day i've got extended too yeah. And I think there was a lot of people, maybe not in Winnipeg, but in the hockey world that were kind of surprised because yep. he's been the GM there since like they came back from Atlanta. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, he's lasted for a long time. Well, both of them have lasted for a long time right now. So, yeah. Yeah. And then we'll bounce back over to San Jose uh, because you mentioned Bugner got fired after all the empty spots had got filled um, <laughs> because the, thought was they're bringing in a new gm they've been doing an exhaustive gm search for what feels like eight months it's been a long time it's been a long time and today they announced mike greer as the new gm and it's like historical thing because he's the first african-american general manager in the nhl history yep 
and uh, it'll be interesting to see who he brings in as his head coach um, because he's got like an old core aging team but the window's closed but what can they do and who's still available like I don't know is he the type of guy that's going to bring in a Claude Julien or a Mike Babcock or a some unknown like yeah San Jose's a just like almost a I don't know how to describe them <laughs> a train wreck like I don't know the the roster construction is bad and yeah. they've handed out a lot of long-term deals to their core now that just seem kind of silly for what they are and I don't really think they can afford to move out any of their big contracts on defense because, of course, it would require them to probably package high-level prospects with them. So I get the feeling because he's a first-time GM, he's going to hire like a first-time coach. Yeah. Might be someone that he played with. Kind of like a Hextall, Hackstall. Yeah. But who knows? Oh, that went. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that's was, my prediction, which isn't a very good prediction, but it is it is a fascinating offseason for a ton of teams. And I know it feels like that every year. Like, you know, the teams who lost in the first round or the teams who thought they were gonna make the playoffs didn't make the playoffs. It's like, oh, there's all these teams, they're gonna make all these moves, and like some moves get made, but it's often quieter than you expect. But it just feels like one of those off seasons that things are gonna just really go off the rails. Well, this is also the first year that the GMs know there's more money. So the NHL made money this year. They know the cap's going to go up in a couple of years. And that is just like a recipe for stupid decisions, which I'm all here for, as long as it's not the Canucks. (laughs) Well, I mean, lucky for the Canucks and you. um, It seems (laughs) like everything they've done since they brought in Jim Rutherford and the new regime. Yes. Um, it seems like they're, they're very articulate and very smart with their decision-making and they're not doing anything too quickly. So yeah, for once, well, so it's a humongous 180 from the past regime. That's all I'll say. <laughs> yeah. You can, you can say that again. Yeah. Um, so other than that, I don't, off the top of my head, I've been kind of winging it. I can't think of anything else that we would have to recap in the last two weeks. I think we've hit everything that I had written down. So, Nice. All right. Well, that means we'll have to get back together uh, quickly tomorrow for a, a quick uh, episode number 84 mock draft. I think we should do the top 15 picks so we can do the Canucks. Get the Canucks in there. Sure. I agree. That would be great. And yeah, I'll have to start writing things down. and then yeah draft on thursday and then uh we won't be able to talk again because we'll be away for a little bit so we'll have to talk about free agent frenzy the day after it kicks off so busy time so yeah this has been hockey talk on the rock episode number 83 thank you all for listening that's laura i'm keith tune in next time